Now, I've got to be honest, um, as 2020 comes to a close, a lot has happened in 2020. And so we thought we'd do a recap, but uh, I don't know if I could really uh, fill it all in uh, the way I'd want to fill it in. There's a lot that happened in this year. So what we're actually going to do, instead of me talking the whole time, we're going to have uh, a few of my leaders come up and share from their experiences. So I'm going to have Mary come up, uh, Braden Bergeron's going to come up and share, and then also Kyla Ferris is going to share. Because really, even with all the hardships we've faced, all the trials that we've faced in this tough year, we've seen God showing up in miraculous ways. We've seen God moving in miraculous ways. And so we want to share uh, from our personal experiences of how God is moving in our lives. But I'll tell you, to pare that down to a couple of minutes on a Sunday morning, again, feels like an almost impossible task. Does anyone else feel like you could write a novel about everything that has happened in 2020? And it would be a good novel. Like, it's got some conflict. It's, you know, it's got a little bit of, you know, trial, and it's got some hardship. Hopefully there's some kind of resolution, or maybe, uh, you know, 2020 is part one of the novel. You're waiting for part two to come later. But, I mean, there's a lot going on in this year, and yet I have given Mary, Braden, and Kyla eight to ten minutes each. So, good luck. <laughs> but I, I think they're up for the challenge. I think you guys can do it, and I'm confident the Lord's going to speak to all of us by what they share. Uh, let's go ahead and pray, and then I'm going to go ahead and start us out. Lord, I, I thank you for today. I really am happy to be here on December 27th to declare that as much as this year had its trials and challenges, that this is still the day that the Lord has made, and I'm going to rejoice in it, and I'm going to be glad in it. And we thank you for life in 2020. We thank you that we are here, that we're still here, Lord, that you've given us your life, and we choose your life today. We intentionally, purposefully choose to live your joy, your life, and we all pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Well, life spring for myself, as I thought about this, as I prayed about this, what I was going to say this morning, I knew, I mean, it, it wasn't even a hesitation. I knew right away what the Holy Spirit was asking me to share. Because like most of you, I, I think I know most of you in this room, like you, I'm a passionate follower of Jesus. I want to know him. I want to walk with him. I want to hear his voice. I want to follow his ways. And not that I do any of that perfectly. I mean, ask my wife. She'll let me know, uh, let you know about all my shortcomings. But I do have a heart. And if you ask my wife this, I do have a heart for the Lord. My desire is to run hard after God. And one of the prayers you'll hear me pray, if you're in a Bible study of mine, if you hear me in a meeting, I'll say, God, would you open up the eyes and ears, right? Open up our eyes to see, our ears to hear. Uh, when we do our Bible reading, we actually ask for the Lord to open up the eyes of our heart. But in our staff meetings, we're always saying, God, give us eyes to see, give us ears to hear. And I will tell you, in this issue of racism, God, by his grace, by his mercy, by his love, has done just a little bit of that in my life in 2020. Because where I always thought, you know, it was just good enough to simply say I wasn't racist, or to simply say that I loved everybody, in 2020, the Lord convicted me of that attitude. I mean, like He convicted me in many ways, convicted me. As a white male, as a white male evangelical pastor, I'm telling you, I've been just way too passive and way too silent in this area. 
And so through His Word, God is so good. Through His Word, He asked me to mourn with those who mourn. In His Word, He asked me to love, not just in word, but in deed. In His Word, He commands me to do justice, to love mercy, and walk humbly with my God. I'm so thankful for that. (laughs) December 27th, again, as I look back, I'm just thankful, thankful, thankful that God loves me enough that He wouldn't let me stay the same. Aren't you thankful that God actually wants to grow you to become more like His Son? He wanted to grow me as a 40-year-old man into the mighty, strong man of God that He has destined me to be. Not just in, as a husband or as a father, but in this area of race. And He's, he's been way patient with me. He's been very kind to me. Uh, come on, He's given us these friends at Integrity Life Church. I'm so thankful for them. They pointed me to several resources that, by the way, challenged me because I have thoughts and opinions on it just like everybody else does. And my friends here gave me some resources that challenged my thoughts, challenged my opinions. Pastor Joe, the pastor of Integrity Life, he asked me some some pretty uncomfortable, difficult questions. I'm thankful for his friendship. I'm thankful for his willingness to engage again in those uncomfortable conversations with me. Aren't you thankful that the Lord gifted us with Jesse and Debbie Mendoza? Praise the Lord for them. You know, we knew them in 2019, but in 2020, uh, they began to share some of these stories, horrific stories, might I add, of injustices that they have faced in their lives. And, and through it all, it's embarrassing to say, but I need to say it. Uh, I realized how little I have ever allowed the black person's experience in America to personally affect my life. And I'm not proud of that. It's hard to say that. It's hard to admit those types of things. It's kind of embarrassing. And as the Lord opened my ears and my eyes, I don't know about you, it all felt really heavy. You probably saw it in my face some of those Sundays. I mean, it's heavy when you, you think about uh, just how you've missed it. Like, I've, I've missed it. And yet, God has been so good to me. God is so good to me. For the past ten months, integrity, life, they've accepted me as a brother in Christ. They even let me preach one of their sermons on a Sunday morning, and it was right after one of the uh, great social uh, injustices happened uh, in this country, and they let me come up onto their podium and preach a message just a couple days after that. They've accepted me. They've accepted you, LifeSpring Foursquare. They, they've accepted you as a sister church. Aren't you thankful for Integrity Life? Aren't you excited about Integrity Life? Woo! I mean, just, I mean, anyone else, you get the goosebumps when you think about what we're going to be able to do together as the body of Christ. Integrity, and, uh, integrity life and life spring coming together. Can, can you, I mean, just anyone else is freaking out like excited when we have that worship night out on the lawn. The, the first time when we have a prayer service together. When we're men's and women's and different events uh, together as the body of Christ. What a miracle they are to us. And I, I've said it before, I'll say it again. Pastor Joe Bowman is the pastor of this house. And we got to keep praying for him because he's awesome. 
and be sensitive, church, by the Holy Spirit, sensitive to how we can best serve Him, how we can love Him, how we can wash His feet, how we can serve and love the rest of the ILC family with the very love of Christ. Hallelujah. But you know, I'm also realizing, I'll close with this, there are a lot of voices out there in our culture talking about race. And have you noticed every voice thinks they're right? <laughs> wow, if 2020 told us anything, uh, people have some strong opinions. And uh, it can be confusing because they're all telling us this is how you move forward. This is so important that you hear this today because we hear these voices from our culture saying this is how you move forward in the issue of race. And I'm realizing and I'm growing in this how important it is to not get distracted by the wrong voices. Has there ever been a more important time to be as close to Jesus as you can be, to be in his word, to be led by his spirit, to stay connected. And this is my resolve for 2021, that I would stay close to the word. I would be led by his spirit, but also church. And I think this is the gift that God has given us, that we'd be closely connected to the family of God that's here at LifeSpring, but also closely connected to the family of God that's here at Integrity Life. And praise the Lord for that. And so as 2020 comes to a close, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for God. God is so good. He continues to be patient with me, kind to me, helping me navigate this very important issue. I can confidently say I've never been more dependent, never more laser focused on Jesus than I am right now. And I know I'm confident God is going to reveal intentional, purposeful, meaningful, impactful steps that I can take first individually as a person, but secondly, collectively as a church in this area of race. I finish simply with this verse that I've been holding on to. It comes from Matthew chapter 13, verse 16. This is what Jesus told his disciples. I believe he's telling us this today. But blessed are your eyes, hallelujah, for they see. Blessed are your ears, for they hear. Hallelujah. He's giving us new eyes to see and new ears to hear. Amen. What a year it's been. What a year it's been. Uh, For me, it's been a roller coaster. I don't know if you felt like that way. It feels like you're going up like, okay, things are getting better. Oh, never mind. COVID spiked again. Or like, oh, we're stage two now. Oh, back to lockdown. Or, oh, oh, things will get, oh, election comes. And there's just so many things. I just feel like this whole year has been like, oh, here we go. And through it all, it's been really hard (laughs) to keep your thoughts and your emotions at check. Uh, One thing I found, it was just easy to let those things, my human emotions, my human thoughts, dictate how I'm going to respond to the things of this year. It was so easy for me to just go there. Whether it was the pandemic, whether it was the lockdown we were facing, the election, social injustice in our country, it was so easy for me to form my own thoughts, my own opinions, but let my emotions and feelings take over. What my ideas were right, my opinions were right. But I'm thankful for the Lord shaping me and growing me in my mind and in my emotions this year. Uh, a scripture that really has led me through this and just the Lord kept telling me, like, this is what I'm doing in you, is Romans 12, 2 through 5. And I'm going to read the first half and then we'll come back to the rest. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to be known, know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. 
I want to stop there because there are a lot of times where behaviors and customs in this world or the things I've always defaulted to or the way I was growing up, the way I've been taught to believe, the way I've just, you know, you want to experience. I just wanted to, those are the way I was going to think. I was just taught. That's how I was going to respond in the year 2020 was based off those things. Yet instead, when I tried to do things that way, it just ended me in being fearful, anxious, angry at all that was going on because I was relying off myself. I remember my sisters, when everything first started, and my sisters and I were having a conversation about everything that was going on, and it was really fresh. And so I didn't, I didn't really process all of it. And we started having conversations, and I started getting angry. And we started, like, raising our voices at each other. And I was like, what is happening? I left that. And I had to, like, call her the next day and say, I am sorry. I was wrong. Um, and she was totally right. But it was just my emotions, the way I was raised. It was letting, taking over the way I was responding. But I wasn't thinking, Jesus, how do you want to respond? So right after that, right after that, right at the beginning, I told the Lord, I said, I want your thoughts and your actions in this season. I want to think like you. I want to act like you in this season. Where on every side of me, to my left and right, people telling me, this is wrong. This is right. This is the right answer. There's only one way. I was saying, no, I want to let God decide that for me. Because I knew, I knew in my life, I, I knew we didn't need more of man or woman to tell what the world's opinion was. We didn't need another man or woman to say, this is my opinion. What I needed was Jesus to say, Brayden, my son, this is what I'm calling you to do. This is what I'm calling you to act. This is how I'm calling you to respond. In that, I not only grew in my thoughts, but I began to learn God's plans and purposes for my life in this season. Just like in the scripture it says, it says, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. It opened my eyes to what, what was flesh, but it opened my eyes to what God was speaking. That God is speaking differently than what I was originally thinking. And it changed me. It changed my thoughts and my opinions on a lot of different matters. Um, and the second thing, I kind of want to go to the second part of the scripture because I wrap it up here shortly. Um, if you continue, it says, Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Do not think you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourself. Measure yourself by faith God has given you. Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body we are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. The second thing this year I'm thankful for is you. It's you. There are some of you in here, in this, that, that, some of you in this room that have got me through this year, being able to fix my eyes on Jesus, and when I got off, you helped me back on. Amen. I'm just so thankful for it. And it's, it's because of this. I, I, I was not perfect in this season. I was not perfect in this season. And that's okay, because sometimes we're not always going to be perfect. Amen. But that's why we have each other. To pick each other up when we're weak. We are all part of the body, and we function better when we are together. So many of you have helped me walk through my weaknesses in this year. You encouraged me to push forward. I've been, every Friday, I've been, I've been talking to a friend. We've been prayer partners and just, just sharing where we're, where we're weak, where we need prayer, where we need help. And we've been calling each other and saying, how are you doing? And that, there's that friendship, that person in my life has helped me walk this season together. In the year 2020, I'm so thankful for God shaping and molding my thoughts to be like his. So I, I look back on 2020 and I say, this was a year, yes, of hardships, but it was a year of great spiritual growth. 
spiritual growth. It was a year of great growth in my life. And it was a time of year where I couldn't have done without some of you in my times of weakness. So what about you? Was 2020 a time of growth? Was it a time of God shaping you, showing you a new way to think, to surrender your thoughts and your flesh and give it to God? And I want to encourage encourage us all, if you didn't do that or if you did, including me, I want to encourage us that in 2021, let's let God shape us, our mind and our actions. Because I I know the thought is like 2021 is going to be great, everything's going to go away. I don't have a feeling it will. So how about instead we choose to let God shape us this year? Let God transform us so that we know his perfect plans and purposes for our lives. Let's not let the world or people around us or biases we may have control how we respond. Let's let Jesus do that. And if you are weak right now, if you are hurting, if you are not strong enough, be honest. Don't try to do it alone. Seek a brother and sister in Christ. We're stronger together, so let's do 2021 together and grow in Jesus. Amen? Amen. All right, I'm going to be honest with you guys. Um, in my flesh and earthly desires, I really just wanted to get up here for 10 minutes and tell you all of the crazy, wacky, horrible things that happened to me this year. I thought that would just feel really good and it would be really entertaining. Um, but you don't want any of that, right? We've all experienced kind of the spectrum of a bad year. Um, and you have experienced things that I will never understand. So I'm just, you can... Sigh your sigh of relief now. I will not do that to you. I will not force you to listen to me and all the horrible things I have done. I will tell you, though, just to give you an idea of what my year has been like, um, my verse that got me through January and February, before COVID was even a thought in our heads, was Daniel 3.17. Our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. So, yeah, it's been a crazy year, right? My favorite part about this year has been scripture. Um, I think this is my fourth year doing the Bible in a year reading plan. And every single year, I just fall more and more in love with God's word. And I become more obsessed with it. I'm obsessed with learning scripture and learning about what it's teaching me about Jesus and my relationships with other people. Um, it's just my favorite part. So this year, um, it goes back in April or May, this scripture sat really heavy on my heart. I was sitting at the piano one day, and this song just, like, came out of me. I mean, it was something that I had never heard before. Just out of my worship sprouted this melody, and it really surprised me, and it really ministered to me. And then I was thinking, you know what? I didn't make that up. That sounds really familiar. So I looked it up, and it was Scripture. Um, it kind of might freak you out a little bit, but I believe the Holy Spirit had sung out of me this entire passage to minister to me, which is really sweet if you think about it. So the passage is Psalm 126, and I'd like to read it all aloud together. All right. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. 
Restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying seed with them. Right off the bat, pretty beautiful, huh? Well, let's walk through it together. Um, when I'm reading scripture on a daily basis, I like to kind of go right through it and trying to figure out what it's saying. So the first two verses, um, the psalmist is remembering how the Lord has delivered the Israelites from exile in the past. So they're recalling the joy that God had led them to and how laughter filled their mouths. Isn't this the gospel Understanding what the Lord has delivered you from and reacting in joy? Isn't it good news with great joy? Oh, so good. And then verse 3. This one gets me too. After the psalmist recognizes how the Lord delivered them, they pray for more deliverance. They pray for a perfection of their deliverance. You've, you've done it before, Lord. Please do it again. Restore our fortunes. This type of prayer is really tough for me. Because of whatever fear fear tells me, I would much rather take matters into my own hands, right? And pretend I'm in control of getting myself out of my present circumstances. That way I can whine and complain all I want. As long as I save myself, it usually entails me not asking for help at all until everything absolutely falls apart. And the only thing I can do is have other people help me pick up the pieces. Doesn't really work. Back in February, I left a really hard and toxic teaching internship. Many times in the five months that I was in that internship, the Holy Spirit was nudging me to share my experiences with my peers and my supervisors, but instead I listened to the voice of fear and I tried to fix it all myself. Guys, it did not work. It ended very abruptly and with a lot of hurt and broken pieces. I was not trusting that the Lord had good things for me. I wasn't even praying for him to restore my fortunes. I was stubborn and controlling and afterwards really, really broken. This psalm is still helping me to see that the Father is fully accepting of every request. He's not going to judge me for asking for deliverance. And that's just the first part. The full sentence says, Restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the Negev. The Negev is the desert in the south of the Holy Land. And when it rains, the streams and the rivers rage, like flash flood style. So the psalmist is praying here, Lord, perfect our deliverance quickly, with vitality. Make our cup overflow If you know me, this is not my personality. This is against who I am. When I pray, I'm like, okay, God, everything in moderation, you know, including my blessings. Whoops, you know, you almost gave me too much. You know, save save enough for the next person. I want to let you know, that is not how the Lord works. If you are anything like me and you think that the Lord is going to give you just enough blessing to get you through, That is not how it works. That's not biblical. That is against God's nature. He loves you. He is for you. He wants to lavish his love upon you. His ways are for you, not against you. He wants you to be filled with joy. 
and laughter. Verses 5 and 6 speak to me on probably a thousand different levels that I'm still trying to process, so I'll just share a few. But first off, y'all know that I am the tear duct of the body of Christ, right? For some weird reason, tears flow out of me faster and with more frequency than any infant I have ever met. Happy, sad, frustrated, uncertain, grateful, hungry, all of the emotions. If it bubbles up just above neutral, my body thinks it is cause for tears. So to see tears represented here in the Bible as acceptable is mind-boggling for me. There have been very few moments in my life, if I'm being honest, where I felt that my tears were welcome. Church, your tears are welcome with the Lord. It says it right there. He expects it. He expects you to cry. He's not flustered by them. He's not expecting one thing or another out of you when it happens. Jesus sees them and he knows them and he sympathizes with them and he welcomes them. Anyway, so we are to sow with tears. Those who go out weeping, comma, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. That catch here, that comma here for me, for me is really important. And it's that, that not every time of sorrow and weeping is a seed that we're sowing. We have to make this intentional choice to sow that seed in hope. If we look back at those first two verses, the psalmist wasn't recalling their joy from being delivered as like, oh yeah, I remember those good old days, you know, what happened? Instead, they're building a foundation of hope. They know that there's going to be a better future because of what the Lord has done for them in the past. They're looking forward in hope. So we are bearing our sorrow our grief, which is so real, it is so 2020, so on trend, as the kids would say, but we're burying it with faith for how God is going to use it for our good and his glory. And that's how we sow, hand in hand together. This is hope, and it gives me goosebumps because this is still really fresh for me. I don't know a lot about hope. My default is to control and take matters into my own hands, which makes hope, in my idea, look irresponsible. I know that sounds negative, but my first thought would not be to look to the future with light and excitement. I think a couple months ago I joked to Pastor Dan, I don't even think I know what hope is. It's definitely not that Hobby Lobby sign that I saw. That's not the hope that I see in in people that I know that love Jesus. So ever, ever since then, ever since reading this passage, I've been learning that hope is sowing these seeds of grief and hard work and sorrow and gritting teeth because you're standing firm on the promise of God and our now and not yet reconciliation back to Jesus. Like I said, it is very new to me. And to be quite honest, I don't really dream about the future. I have a hard time daydreaming or planning up best-case scenarios. But sowing those seeds of tears is investing and practicing what it looks like to trust that God has your best-case scenario in mind. 
So then no matter how roller coastery your life is, like Brayden said, no matter how low the lows, no matter all of the crazy or heartbreaking things that has happened in this year, you will reap songs of joy. Of course, no season is wasted, but I can see the stark difference of my life in times where I thought I was in control and I thought I could deliver myself. And then times when I surrendered the season to the Lord, that work that felt impossible and let the Lord be my strength. And I prefer the latter. Finally, the chapter ends in saying that we will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. Sheaves, you know, being those bundles of those grain stalks, you know, all the bundles. Anyway, when we surrender our circumstances, sowing into hope, the harvest is going to be better than we could ever imagine. Even the most wonderful future that you can think of for yourself pales in comparison to what he has for you. Remember that internship I told you about? Well, that teacher that I was with had told me, um, Kyla, you will never get a job as, your te- as a teacher. This is not the path for you, and you are not hireable. And I absolutely believed that person. And then I got an interview. And then I got a second interview. And now I'm doing the exact thing I wanted to do since I was nine years old. at one of the only schools that is open in the entire state. And I get to share Jesus when I do it. Better than I could have ever imagined. Totally unexpected. And it's exhausting. And I still question my ability to keep my head above water every single day. But my harvest is going to be full of joy. It will be sown in tears, don't get me wrong. Just because the year is over doesn't mean bad things aren't going to happen. I promise you, bad things will happen to you next year. I promise. But you will also be reaping joy. As you sow those tears, as you work hard, as you grit your teeth, as you question God and as you wonder, but also as you hope, you will reap joy. And everyone around you will proclaim the Lord has done great things for them. Amen. I'm not even really sure how to follow that. I'm like, amen. Let's go home. Um, so normally I'll tell a joke before I share, but I am on the clock, so I can't really do that. But what I do think is really funny is how my 2020 started. Um, Kyla, yours started with a verse on the fiery furnace, which kind of funny. You think about it, right? My, my dear mentor, Pastor Marion Ingenieri, always says, um, if it's funny later, it's funny now. And I'm really trying hard this year to find amusement in any moment that I think might be funny later, and it's been really difficult. But uh, this is a little bit funny now. But in January, I found myself 
listening to an amazing podcast of a conversation between um, Pastor Stephen Furtick and Bishop T.D. Jakes. And Bishop T.D. Jakes had just written and released a book, and it's called um, Crushing, Turning Pressure into Power. And I listened to that podcast, and I was like, this is awesome. And I just kept sharing it with all my friends. I'm like, you have to listen to this. But the really ironic part of it is that I remember saying to everybody that I shared it with, man, like this is so good and it's so challenging. You walk away from that thinking, where's my crushing? Why aren't I being crushed? Crushing produces sweet wine and crushing is where all of the pressing happens and where the beautiful things come out and where you get your strength. And and so I was like, am I doing something wrong? Like, I'm just, where is my crushing? Oh, man, if I do, it's like, just wait. March is coming. So be careful what you ask for. I'm pretty sure COVID wasn't my fault, though, so don't start dusting off your torches and your pitchforks just yet. But um, so crushing and pressure and hard things and grief and all of those things that are synonymous with one another. Um, another word for all of that that has become very poignant for me this year um, is pruning. Um, anybody else feel like this has been a year of pruning, right? Um, I want to read to you from John chapter 15. Um, There are two things in this passage the Lord has really been working on in me. Um, I want to just focus my first section on verses 1 and 2. It should be up on the screen there. But it says, verses 1 and 2, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. So I want to stop right there. And I would love to be able to tell you that I took my pruning like a champ and like a rock star. That after listening to that podcast and craving the growth and strength and purpose that comes with every snip and trim and removal of the dead parts of me, that I welcomed it and I ran willingly towards it. But I'm here to tell you today that what really happened is the giant fit I threw at the beginning of lockdown in March. The tears that I shed and the anger that I experienced. I could tell you the real struggle between trying to keep myself together in the natural and my desire to be strong and thriving and surrendered in the supernatural. You know, Brayden talked about emotions And Kyla talked about our tears. And I will tell you that every emotion possible, the full range of them, I felt them all. Sometimes all of them in one day. Sometimes all of them within an hour. But all of me, every bit that was me, rose up in those moments. And I just laugh now and I think about it. I'm like, I think what happened was... I was like a toddler that threw a giant fit and cried and screamed until I was so exhausted and I didn't have anything left that the Lord, like the sweet parent that he is, got down 
And he was like, are you ready to talk? Let's go. Picked me up by the hand and was able to show me things. There were parts of me that were exposed, parts I tried to cover up and hide, but had never allowed the Lord to really get to. We all have those parts where we think that we let him prune him every now and then, but really we're just kind of tucking him away. The first was control, obviously. That was a really hard one for me. The realization that absolutely nothing was in my control. Everything was out of my control. Um, And the little pieces that I could control were still out of control. (laughs) Um, The other thing was that he found a lot of selfishness. And that as I became so consumed with how my life was being inconvenienced and how my world was affected, how my rights were being violated, and how bad my pain was, the Lord began to show me how I had never before been so angry and broken or sad over the pain of others living in injustice and poverty, and inequality and oppression. That my life isn't supposed to be lived just for me or mine or ours alone. That until I could be as upset about the wrongs being done to my fellow brothers and sisters across the globe and in my backyard, that I needed to lay a lot of what I was feeling down. That my life is to be lived loving and serving others more. And I'm committed to finding new ways to be the hands and feet of Jesus this next year. And I've decided that I'm going to live beyond myself. And honestly, that's just one of so many things I've had to let the Lord remove. Like all of us, I could spend an hour talking about how hard it's been for me, the pruning. But I want you all to know that I see the fruit that is coming from it. Because that is the purpose of pruning, right? The Lord isn't inflicting pain on us just to make life hard. He isn't just coming after us trying to get us. When he works on us, it's always so that we can bear more fruit. Even if we're already producing a good amount, right? I mean, didn't we all kind of feel like we were doing a pretty good job at the end of 2019? But the Lord was like, no, I want more from you. You can do more. Let me work. Let me get in there. He's like, wait until you see what you can do, church. Mary Birch, wait and see what I can do. But you have to let him do the work. The phrase I cling on to lately is that I want to be dripping, dripping with fruit. The branch that's so heavy and has so much hanging off of me that it just falls off all the time. I can't even help it. It just gets everywhere. But again, that requires the work of the vine master. And then the second thing I wanted to touch on is this in verses 4 and 5. And it says, Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Many translations use the word abide 
in place of remain. And, and I've heard this word on repeat this year from so many different sources, different people, different places. It's crazy. And to make this short and sweet, let me just say this. This has been a season for me of letting go. Letting go of roles, of responsibilities, expectations, and even loved ones. There's been a lot of me questioning the Lord on why and what's next, on vision, on assignment, on position, and honestly not a lot of answers coming back at me, and I've struggled with it. With being in limbo, wanting to jump and run right into the next thing and feeling like I'm staring at a long hallway full of closed doors. But just this past week, I really heard the Lord tell me that I am in a season of abiding. We are always to be connected to the vine. And Dan talked about being connected to Jesus. But have you ever stopped to think about what it means to just simply abide? The word is a verb, and it means to dwell, endure, be present, remain. And it has the implication of staying in one place and of being still. And I just want to ask you, church, how often do we intentionally dwell with Jesus? To not rush off to the next thing, the next task, the next check off of your list, that we just be with him. He reminded me of how it was in the garden, and he was just was with Adam and Eve. 2020 provided us a lot of time to be still, whether we liked it or not. And why is that so hard for most of us? It was really hard for me. So I just want to ask you, can you challenge yourself to be still with Jesus? Even as the pace of life life picks back up and and more things are coming at you, because it will. My final observation is this, and I'll ask the worship team to come back up. But when you are dwelling with Jesus, church, when you're dwelling with Jesus, when you're in the presence of the Lord, you can't dwell in the things that are not of the Lord. You cannot dwell, be remain, be in place, be still in the presence of Jesus and be dwelling in bitterness or also be dwelling in anger, or be dwelling in resentment. When you're dwelling with Jesus, it's all about Jesus. And where he is, darkness cannot be. And so I just want to encourage you in this season. You know, Dan talked about it. He said, you got to stay connected. We have to be connected to the Lord. Braden said... Are we allowing the Lord to shape us? And I just get that visual of the gardener coming in and there's a big shrub and and it's just a big mess. But yet he stands back and he can see with his eye the potential of what could be there. And as he starts cutting and as he starts shaping, things start to emerge. Are you letting the Lord shape you in this season? And then Kyla You talked about the importance of scripture, the words of God. The vine, people. It's the vine, the words of Jesus. And be connected 
to the vine of the season. Can you just abide? Abide in the Lord and he will abide in you. Apart from him, you can do nothing. We just wrapped up a sermon series on, what was the name of the sermon series? Jesus. (laughs) Period. Nothing else, right? Jesus. So can we go into 2021? All eyes forward. All our eggs are in one basket. And his name is Jesus.